for us. Matthew 5, starting in verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, You fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Verse 25, another example, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be put in prison. Verse 26, truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penalty. So just as a reminder that anger is the internal sin that leads to the physical act of murder. And I would also say anger leads to the verbal attack that we see in the rest of this portion in 22 of you fool, you uh, empty, the, the, the translation is empty-headed person um, calling insults to people. This is the bubbling up of anger within. Um, and I want us to also be mindful of the passage we ended with this morning in James chapter 1. Be uh, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Those two things don't, they can't, they don't clash. They can't come, well, they clash, but they cannot come together. They cannot be unified. Anger of man and the righteousness of, of God. Okay, so with that, the last three, four verses are kind of the therefore, or the what now? What am I to do about it? What should I do? He kind of gives examples of action that needs, to be, that needs to take place, right? What should we do now that we understand what God is calling to us to, com, uh, to obey? What he wants from us, not just to murder, but not to have anger. Or if you look in 1 John, to have hate towards others. Um, so if you read these two examples, one is if you're giving an offering and something you and somebody's got something against you, go to them. The other one is if you're going to court and your accuser, you know, work it out before you get to the judge. Um, what he has in mind here is reconciliation. So two people who are at odds to some degree and Jesus is saying what you need to do is go and get it fixed come back together be reconciled and that's what he says at the end of or in the middle of 24 first be reconciled so we have disagreement something or maybe it, it sounds as if maybe in 23 that you have wronged someone either in anger or you have done something to someone to, for them to be angry at you. 
I think you could probably go either way there as far as um, the practicality of it. What's that? Probably both. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there, there, there is, there's contention, friction, and friction typically leads to the internal sin of anger, right? Uh, friction typically will lead to anger, um, which brings out the strife, and then what's that? That then breaks the fellowship. And that's what we have to be mindful of in our fellowship, in our unity. I mean, we did something that a lot of churches can't, I don't want to say can't do, but have a hard time doing. We picked new flooring for the outside foyer, and we didn't split because of it. Right? Yeah. But here's the reality. I like this one. They like this one. Guess what that is? That's friction. Even if it's in, even it's if it's simple, I don't really like that color, and you know, or I don't think that would be that. Not being bad, that's friction. I'm not calling friction bad. It's just existent. If there's two opinions, it's it's existent, right? So in that situation where friction exists, we have to remember what we're called to in Christ. Not to come about it, and to uh, to come about it with strife and anger and wrath. Uh, we'll get to we'll get to what, how how we respond in those situations in a little bit. Um, but this is what Jesus is after: reconciliation in these two similar situations in these last few verses. Jesus points to his hearers to resolve the issue. And I, th- I think he's doing two things. I think it does two things when he says, just in this first one, to go, someone's got something against you, go to them. I think he's protecting both parties. Um, we're, I, I'm not totally confident in this, but we see the word brother a lot in this passage. And when we're, when we're in the New Testament, and we see the word brother, we can probably be safe to say we're discussing within church fellowship, mm-hmm. right? It, it doesn't, it's not always the case, but it's safe to say. So let's just say that if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, let's just, let's just say for... Uh, practicality's sake, for application's sake, that we're talking about two believers. So if Jesus says, go and resolve, you go and resolve, he's actually doing this as a grace and protecting both people. Because one, if you've wronged someone, well, you, better go, you better go make it right and resolve. You better ask for forgiveness. You better confess. But at the same time, if you have done something to someone, what is... What is their potential pitfall? Anger. Sin. So I can see this as God's way of being gracious to us and showing us and protecting us from one, our wrongdoing, and two, our anger when there is friction or when someone has done something to us. Um, This is why confession is so important. This is why... why, 
being honest about our sin is so important. Okay, so Jesus is is looking uh, to move towards resolving the issue, reconciliation, to guard us from anger, to guard us from strife. Um, But there's there's a few things I notice here as well. Look, let's look at 23 and let's read it again. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. And go. So we're seeing urgency. Immediate action. Now, and look at it in 25. Here's the other example. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Don't wait. Do it now. Resolve the issue quickly. Yeah. Do not wait because what ha- when you keep you keep the friction up, what happens when things keep rubbing? They just get hotter. Yep, they just get hotter. Do not wait. That is a, a logic reality. Friction continues. It's going to keep getting hot. But the other reason for immediate action, the other thing we can notice is because Jesus is completely serious about this sin. Completely serious. And about sin in general. Sin in... He, do not let sin fester. Do not let sin grow. Handle it now. Immediately. Go. Do it. Jesus is serious about sin. Now, we'll, we'll talk, Lord willing, about this next week, but how serious is Jesus about sin? Look at in 29 of chapter 5. We're, this will be our, ne- our passage next week. This is how serious Jesus is about sin. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it, throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. Now, don't do that. Don't pluck your eye out. Because that's not what Jesus means. It's not what Jesus means. And we'll talk more about that next week. But it is, take all precaution, take all opportunity to keep from sin. And we'll, we'll discuss more of that. But the idea is, you're willing to lose something close to you, personal to you, needing to you, in order that you might not sin. You're willing to sacrifice something great in order that you might not sin. Because what? The reward is greater. The reward is greater. So this is Jesus being very serious about sin. But it's also Jesus being very serious about our fellowship. In the context of brother to brother. He is very serious about the unity of the body of Christ. To save time, go look at John 17 and see Jesus prays to the Father... Way to, way to take the note, Aiden. John 17. I see you writing it over there. Jesus prays to the Father that the unity of the body will be seen in order that they might know 
God and His power and what He has done. Our unity is a visible representation of the gospel. Okay? The church is a visible representation, visible representation of what God has done through Jesus Christ. Which is very important to remember as we do all sorts of things as the church of God. Um, so Jesus is very serious about sin. He's very serious about our fellowship as the body of Christ. Uh, but I want you to see the context of this first illustration in 23. What is the person doing? They're offering their gift at the altar. They're offering their gift at the altar. They're worshiping in a ceremonial way, right? So what would be equivalent to that today, to some degree? What you're doing now. Coming, coming in a coming in a in a um, organized way of worship. So we could think of it this way: if you are coming to church today, and as you walk in the door, you remember that one of your brothers or sisters has something against you, go to them. Walk to their pew. Maybe it's your actual brother and you need to step back out the doors and make a phone call. Jesus is very serious about our relationships and how we represent Him and the Gospel within our relationships. The other thing I want us to understand in that idea is that this specific, verse 23 and 24, this specifically is for the worshiper, the worshiper, the Christian, right? Because if this was for an unbeliever, then what we would be telling the unbeliever is, before you come to church, Make sure you've got reconciliation with all your people. If that's the case, they'll never walk in the door. And that's just on a physical level. But what the gospel isn't is get your life right and then God will have fellowship with you. Not it. Or God doesn't say... Make sure you've packed everything up and all your relationships will close. You stopped doing this. You started doing this better. And then I'll come and I'll save you. Uh, that's, that's the opposite of what Christ has done. This is So if someone says, I'll come to church once I get this worked out, you say, mm, no, Jesus worked that out on the cross. You need to trust and believe and you need to come to church. But for us, who have professed faith in Christ, He's saying, don't come to my altar, don't sing me my songs if you know that your brother has something against you. Because it gets kind of back in that Isaiah thing, your songs are starting to stink. 
Your worship isn't is it's it's bad to my taste. If you because what you're doing is you're living in that sin, and you're living in uh, a broken fellowship, probably based on sin. So this is a call for us to. This is also for husbands and wives. Yeah, for kids and parents. I know what it looks like to get ready for church on Sunday. And I know the friction that can happen on a Sunday morning. So maybe we should consider confession and seeking forgiveness from one another if dad yelled in frustration or if a child disobeyed maybe there should be or a husband and a spouse a husband and a wife get into it because someone forgot to turn something off or forgot to, whatever the case may be we can practice this in our lives as as we come to the altar per se right okay so we, we, we have to understand that this isn't this isn't outside of our lives but this is this is directly affecting our day-to-day lives right okay um, okay and the third thing I uh, we notice here is the sentencing so we've talked about liable to judgment liable to judgment you're gonna you know you're gonna be before the council the verdict and the sentence you see, at the end of verse 23, or I'm sorry, at the end of verse 22, is the, the hell of fire. And this, we kind of went over this this morning. The sentence for living in this sin of anger is hell. As much as it is living in a sin of... Um, an, an unrepentant sin of uh, sexual immorality or anything. To live in an unrepentant sin is to declare you are unrepentant. Even if it's anger, you are declaring that Christ does not dwell in you when you live in unrepentant sin. And therefore the judgment is hell of fire. But notice... The last verse in 26, and I'll tell you, this one's a little, tr- like, this last example is a little bit more tricky for me, but I, 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 th- I think what we see in verse 26, when Jesus says, well, at the end of 25, when he tells you to make up with your accuser, because if you don't, when you get there, the accuser is going to hand you over to the judge, the judge is going to hand you over to the guard, the guard is going to put you in prison. And I think this kind of goes with this idea of what the sentencing is. Truly, I say to you in verse 26, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Well, I I think Jesus is saying, they're shutting the door and it ain't going to get open. Yeah. Lock it, throw it away. Exactly. It's eternal. It's eternal. So we've got to be, again, and this just points us back to the reality of how bad sin really is. 
even something what we would think as simple as internal anger. Okay, with that, let's look at Ephesians 4. I'm going to read this, barely say a few things on it, and then we'll go home. Ephesians 4. Look at that, right? That was the first time I've left that passage. One time. Ephesians 4. Verse 7. I want to read this quite quite big chunk, 17 through 32. Um, it's pretty fairly straightforward, so there's not a lot of explanation needed. But what we're looking for is going to be towards the end in uh, how to live. 417. Uh, 417. Keeping in mind that the citizen of the kingdom of heaven is a new creation. Something miraculous, something supernatural has been done to them. Okay? We have to keep this in mind. But we also see in this passage that the work of God has been to change us, but yet as we live, as, as Mike and I were talking, there is still the, the battle that we participate in. Now listen real carefully. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have, callous, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensualities, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, so you've put off the old self, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So that's very, that's very kind of high Pauline talk. And then he really breaks it down and kind of gets into the nitty gritty to help us understand it, okay? Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. All right, there's that, I, that we're body. We're members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. That's that passage we referenced this morning. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, uh, one, one comment as I was thinking through this. I know some, some uh, husbands and wives will take this and say, we got to work it out before we go to bed. And I, I, I'll confess, I'm that type of person that wants to get it worked out. But as I'm reading this, this weekend, I, th I think this is more of, on your own. Not on your own as in you couldn't have that conversation. But if you're going to bed, you need to get over it. 
you need to forgive if it's what needs to be done. Or you need to be settled that you don't need them to ask for forgiveness. Don't go to bed angry. Whether or not the person next to you is in the right or wrong, don't be angry. Because that, the anger that comes at home typically is that anger that is in sin. There's not a lot of righteous anger. At least not from, my, from myself. So we can, we can use this as a call to um, probably refer back to our passage that says, if someone has something against you, if you need to confess your sin before you go to bed, do it. Uh, if you need to fall down off your high horse and not be angry anymore, you probably better do it. Um, and I'm eating my own words here. So <laughs> just FYI. Uh, so that was very eye-opening thinking about that this morning. And it's not, if, if that's your practice to do that together, the Lord bless you. Uh, but, I, you know, I think it's, the, the weight, you have to realize the weight is on yourself. You know, you know like, oh, honey, we wake up. You've got to, you know. No, no. If you've got it in you, you just need to work it out too. Most importantly. Okay. Uh, 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Now that's really interesting. That's really interesting. <laughs> Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't uh, give any opportunity to the devil. Because he's... <laughs> we could just say it this way. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, but the anger of man produces a wealth of opportunity for Satan. Like, how does your garden grow if, if it's your planted in anger? It is in the schemes of the devil. Okay, so that, that's a real good comparison to what we had this morning. Um, let not the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So let's really now, in 29, and, and we'll finish this, let's really think about anger Strife within ourselves, within our body, within our relationships. How should we act otherwise? How should we be acting? 29. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as it is good for building up. If you're not building someone up in your words, close your mouth. There's no place for it. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all, here it is, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. That's a command. Put it all away. 
32. Be kind to one another. I just imagine we go to, uh, this is out of the blue, so it's probably going to be silly. Um, we've been, since we got this horse, we've been going to Orschlands like three times a week. <sighs> and there's the, the bunnies and the chicks. And I'm just fearful. Shep's over there like poking at him, you know, and I'm thinking, he's going to hurt one of, he's going to hurt something, or one of them bunnies is just going to chomp down on his finger. I don't know what's going to happen. But I, when I see this, this passage 32, be kind to one another, I just, I just got this image in my head of just holding one of those chicks. How, like, how kind and gentle you have to be to keep one of those things, right? Be kind to one another. Be gentle. If you're grit, if you're, the opposite would be to just that corrupt talk, right? And do nothing but hurt. But be kind and gentle to one another. Tender-hearted. Now here, here, here it goes. Forgiving one another. You want to fight anger in your heart? Forgive someone. Forgive someone. Here's the kicker. As God in Christ forgave you. Who are you to hold someone to something when Christ forgave you when you were a rebel enemy? What goodness we have seen and been shown. And when we are called to walk in the light of the gospel, to reflect the goodness that we have been shown by God Almighty through Jesus Christ. Right? And then we will be a city on a hill. We'll be a light that shines, not tucked away in a closet. We'll be the salt of the earth. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the kindness that we have in your word, that you have given us a direction. You have not left us to our own faults and failures, but by the blood of Christ, you have cleansed us. You have forgiven us. By the power of the Spirit, you have renewed us, and you have put your uh, light within us as guiding as we walk through this world waiting for uh, your return or for our um, being brought to you. Lord, we thank you for your patience. And I pray as we leave today that you will work in our hearts and our minds that we might put away the old, put away the wrath, the anger, the malice, and that what we will be kind to one another, tenderhearted and forgiving each other. In the name of Jesus, for his glory, amen. Um...